This is the Jake and Joe Show, bringing variety to your week every Wednesday. Welcome back, everybody, to the 24th episode of the Jake and Joe Show. I'm Joe. I'm Jake. We have got an awesome episode planned out for you guys tonight. We're going to go into discussion immediately. We're going to talk about the art of choice and the different factors that change how you make choices and decisions in your day-to-day life based on, well, like I said, the factors around you. Then we're going to get right into song of the week we're gonna do that and then after that we're gonna do another installment of speed writing oh yeah now before we go forward i just want to comment on our setup because i am so proud of us right now this feels so good we we made it we be out here this is awesome so we got for those of you who can't for those of you at home who can't see both of our mics are on arms now We've got pop filters. We've got headphones. They're both plugged into the same computer. It just feels so right. It this feels is so it, good. man. This, on our budget, <laughs> yeah. this is as good as it this gets. This seriously is top-notch amateur podcasting I right don't, here. yeah, I mean, you know, short of getting XLR mics and going to, like, a professional studio setup, right. I don't think we get better than this. This is it, man. I think this is as good as Maybe a little do. bit of, maybe some egg crates haphazardly thrown on the walls that would just be maybe over like the a surround around the back <laughs> of the mic that like cuts off our audio from getting to each other possibly i don't know man i think this is great i'm really excited i hope that uh you guys the listeners notice a difference and you enjoy it more because it's easier to listen to right i mean my ultimate goal would be to end this season sounding so good that we go back to listen to episode one and it's just like what were we doing well you, know, like you gotta remember so far. Though, episode one we used separate mics oh we yeah we, we did we did yeti we didn't have the no we did have the pop filters you did and i didn't i yes. think remember you uh no you tried making your own yeah and it was terrible and it was terrible yeah it was bad. so you ordered that you had that for the first episode. i did okay yes you did all right so yeah um New setup, feeling good about it. Mm-hmm. Gets it personally makes me more excited to record just because I know, I don't know. I just 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 feels cool because <laughs> yeah, we care about this. We want to yeah, make it sound yeah, good. Exactly. We want to improve every single time. That being said, let's jump right into discussion. So we're going to be talking about the art of choice, and like I said in the intro, how different factors around us change the decisions, change the the outcome of the. I don't even know how I'm trying to word it. I know you you brought up this topic. You mentioned this was this to actually me a one of our ago. primary things that we uh, topics that we were thinking about several we about in the months off ago. Yeah, yeah, and but I think before then, no, we did talk about it right at the very end of uh, season one because um, I had watched Minefield, which you have already seen now. I have seen four episodes. I haven't. I say four episodes as I hold up three fingers. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't watched all of them. Okay, but you watched the episode. With the change? I watched the one going along with the crowd, following the crowd. Oh, yeah, that was episode two, yeah. Yeah, I haven't made it to episode six or whatever oh, one okay. you said was choice. I have not okay. watched that Well, yet. it was basically, it was more about consequences of having many choices. It wasn't necessarily about the factors involved in making your choice, but it was just the idea that when confronted with two options, we are much less likely to regret our decision when we have a smorgasbord of options it's going to take us a lot longer to make that decision because everyone wants to make the best one and we will almost always regret it in some way the experiment in minefield was with jelly beans there was like an apple jelly bean and a banana jelly bean and they would just go up to random people on the boardwalk and say hey you get to pick one jelly bean and they didn't say anything else they picked a jelly bean ate it and then they asked, how do you feel about your choice? Fine, I feel good about it. And then they came out with a platter of the Jelly Belly 50-some-odd. Yeah, just the assortment. Yeah, yeah I know what And you're people about. were like, oh, man, oh, I want the pineapple, but I really want the s'mores or whatever. And almost everybody was uh, regretful in some way. They're like, oh, I should have went with the peach. I should have went with green apple. That's so interesting. 
And I think it's very true. Uh, I know you had an example. Did you want to let us know? Yeah, I I had like a perfect example of this phenomena last week, actually. I think it was Thursday, the day after, or day it was a day or two after we recorded last week's episode. There's, I, I work in Augusta, um, and there's a lot of different restaurants on the the strip that I work, a lot of different choices. And I, I try to limit myself to uh, eating out once a week. I will admit sometimes I'm I'm weak and I will eat out twice in a week. Oh, yeah. But for the most part, I try to only eat out once a week. So I like to make sure that I've made the right choice. So immediately it's like already hard for me to make a choice because there are like 15 or 20 different options on the strip. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to decide between uh, five guys, pizza degree, got a motto's right down the road which is great uh just, there's just a bunch of great options to choose from and just recently last beginning of last week i think a new pizza place opened up antijoni's they have another restaurant down in uh down in lewiston i was telling you about that um do you you said you'd been before i have yeah it's close to adria's parents house uh they're a they're a greek style pizza they're a greek style restaurant so all their food is you know inspired it's greek inspired so a co-worker of mine brought in a menu and i was looking at it and they they boast on their menu that they have the most signature pizzas to choose from of any restaurant or of any pizza restaurant in new england wow 26 different options honestly i didn't realize that that's cool yeah 26 options though is a ridiculous amount i mean their menu is like two whole pages of just different styles of pizzas right and i'm not even i'm not kidding you i'm not exaggerating it took me from 8 30 in the morning until 11 30 so three hours to decide which one i was gonna get yeah because there were so it. many options to choose from and i'm not a picky eater so probably 15 to 18 of those options were pizzas i would eat mm-hmm um, you know, there are some foods I don't like, so I, I, I wouldn't pick those, but there was like 15 to 18 options and I just, I couldn't decide. I was so overwhelmed. At one point I was just like, I'm just not even going to go there. I'm just going to go to, <laughs> I'm just going to go to five guys where I can just, I know get what my I'm regular, exactly get my regular and be done with it. Yeah. Uh, but I struggled with it for, for like three hours and I ended up getting uh it was a garlic sauce with feta cheese, onions, chicken spinach and something else that sounds it was, really oh, good and, and broccoli it was really good no yeah. it, it wasn't chicken it was shaved steak oh yeah it was nice. really good and it was on a thin crust i think it was brick oven cooked or something like that and i got a side order of their french fries so i was able to come to a decision but i kind of regretted my choice a little bit because there was another pizza called like the firehouse or something like that which was just like five different really spicy things on the pizza and i just i was bouncing back back and forth between those two so i don't know it was just it was cool experiencing that having previously talked about it with you yeah i think if we hadn't talked about it i wouldn't have thought anything of it i just would have put it in my memory as the day that it took me three hours to pick out a pizza right but because we talked about it i was you know i was aware of the fact that I might regret my choice. And it's because of how many options there were. Right. So that got me thinking. You said that in the episode of the show, they first only offered two jelly beans and then they offered a bunch. Correct. So the participants were aware of the fact that they might regret the choice? No, they weren't at all. Oh, they They weren't. They weren't told about the regret possibility. Oh, okay. They didn't know anything about the questions. They were just like, here, have a free jelly bean, pick one. Because I was thinking that I might have been regretting it because I knew that with all the options, there could be regret involved. So I didn't know That's definitely a factor. I, I didn't know if the participants in the experiment knew, and maybe that was factoring into their, their, their thoughts afterwards. Uh, but it doesn't not in like this that. case, I don't think. Huh. Yeah. So that got me interested, and I started doing some uh, research on this topic because I, I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. I found an article on this website called Psychological Science, and it's called The Mechanics of Choice. And they go through – there's a bunch 
of different mental shortcuts that people will take when it comes to making choices. These shortcuts are called heuristics, and there are many, many studies done on heuristics. If you're interested, you can you can Google that and read more. Um, so I, I do want to get into those, and I do want to talk about the different heuristics that humans experience. Um, but I came up with my I, I came up with my own idea on this. So too many choices makes it hard to choose. Yeah. That's, in my opinion, that's why Netflix shows you TVs and movies in such specific categories. Yeah, By very, narrowing yeah. things down, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with how Netflix works. You have the different categories, and you can swipe through them maybe two or three pages before there's no more to look at. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, you'll find something you want to watch in those options. I mean, Netflix has a ridiculous library. They have so much content. And they know that if they were to just let their users have free reign and try to pick something on their own, that they might not, and it might turn them off from the experience entirely, and they might not watch something. That's obviously not what Netflix wants. So they have come up with these micro-categories that are very specific to interests, and they'll try to offer you options in a way that allows you to make a choice without regretting your choice because time is finite and you're going to want to make the most of it. Mm-hmm. They're taking the time to curate their own lists, much like Spotify, um, where there's so much music, but you can, you know, it's a win-win situation where they will give you what you want to listen to as well as free reign about uh, of whatever you want to watch. Right. Their discover it's, weekly playlist is a perfect example. Exactly. Of that. Yeah. And it's a great business strategy, but it's also great for the consumer. So it, you just, there's no loss there. That's pretty cool. I also came up with a counter example to this, uh, that being the steam summer sale mm-hmm. when the steam summer sale begins. So steam already has a catalog of like 40,000 games or something like that. It's a ridiculous number. And when they have their sale, they have 15,000 titles on sale. And the way that they display their webpage, everything is open to you and everything is available all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not closed off because they want you to discover, to discover any possible game that you might like. And every year, a month or so before the sale starts, I tell myself, this is the year I'm going to set aside like 50 bucks and I'm just going to buy some games. It's a summer sale. They're cheap. You know, why not? It's once a year. Yeah. I never do. The sale comes around and then I end up just not getting anything because I can't decide on what I want. I don't, you know, it's just there's so many choices where I'm like, no, I don't need to. I'm not going to pick that. I might not play it. Um, I might have regret of buying this title because it's not something that I'll play. So I'll just end up browsing forever and then I never get anything. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced anything like that? No, I... I do the same thing, too, with the Steam games. I think that they do that on purpose because they're aware that their sales have so much hype. And they're banking off that, and they're like, hey, if we just show them in their face every game that we have that's on sale, they're hoping that people are just going to click it up and buy it. And I think that is more a business strategy than a consumer thing because it's not really helping us right to buy more things <laughs> exactly but um especially things you'll never play yeah i know i mean i'm at I, i'm getting close to 500 games in my library <laughs> that is ridiculous it is ridiculous i have i have a little over 300 so it's not much better but what's even more ridiculous though is that i know for a fact that i haven't spent more than 25 dollars on a single one of those games that's impressive yeah there's actually a website out there i can't remember what it's called but it will look at your Steam library and it will tell you how much all the games cost in your library if you bought them at retail. Really? And then it will also tell you how much everything would have cost if you bought all the titles at sale price. That's really cool. And I am so other, curious about th- that. There are, there are some other statistics in there as well, like uh, uh, what percentage of your library is unplayed. Uh, it will, it'll look at how much a game costs, how many hours you've played it and tell you how much you've paid per hour to play. Yeah. Uh, it'll tell you your cheapest games based on cost per hour. Uh, so for me, like rocket league, I paid like 10 bucks for it and I've put in over 300 hours into that game. Yeah. So my cost for that game is insanely low compared to something like 
I think I have Call of Duty Black Ops 3. I got it in a Humble Bundle or something like that. And oh, I've, yeah. And I've never played it. So it would look at that and see that its retail value is still 60 bucks, and it would say he's never played this. He just this, burned so it's, it. Yeah, it's a way, it was a waste of money. It doesn't oh, know yeah. like bundles and stuff like that, but it, it does its best. Yeah. So... I can see that being depressing too. You you know, especially if you're broke and you're you know, you really need to buy groceries and you have none and then you go to this website and you're like, Oh yeah, I've spent five thousand dollars in games. Ninety percent I haven't played. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Let's get on to the heuristics part of this. And before we go into those, I would like to read I don't like when the screen I know, off. freaks it, me out. I know it's still on because I don't have it set to shut off, but it still yeah. bothers me. I'd like to read this short paragraph from psychologicalscience.org. Uh, a link for this article will be in the description of the episode. So if you want to go read along or, you know, this is just, this is very TLDR. So if, if you want a much longer version that goes into way more detail, then you can find that over there. Something as simple as whether a problem is phrased in terms of winning or losing can radically affect our decisions. In one of their studies, Daniel Kahneman currently a professor at Princeton, and Amos Tversky, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, Tversky, presented two groups of participants with a choice involving hypothetical medical treatments for a deadly disease. The first group was told that if a certain treatment was given to 600 people with the disease, 200 people's lives would be saved. If they were given another, riskier treatment, there was a one-third chance that all 600 would be saved and a two-thirds chance of saving no one. The second group was given the exact same choice, but it was framed in terms of lives lost instead of in terms of gained. This certain option meant 400 people would die for sure. The risky treatment meant a one-third chance no one would die and a two-third chance all, would, all 600 would die. The majority of the first group chose the certain option, saving 200 people. The majority of the second group chose the riskier option, gambling on the prevention of all the deaths, even though it was only a 33% shot. Wow. That's surprising to me. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So it's the, the way the way things are worded can change how, the decisions we make. I think the media knows that. <laughs> you think? <laughs> oh, yeah. The way it's framed, yeah. That, that's really cool. I I never would have guessed, though, that that's what the outcome would be. I, I would hope that the majority would still go for, like, the option that's, you know, tried and true when it comes right. to medical things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's the way you you hear things. Like, if, if you, if there was a giveaway and you saw that the odds were 1 in 100 that you would win, that seems like pretty good odds. There's only 100 other people. You have a 1 in 100 chance. Mm -hmm. But if you were to flip that around and say you have a 99 in 100 chance of losing, that is, that's immediately like, okay, no, I'm not going to even bother because there's a 99% chance that I'm going to lose. I think that's very true, and it depends on how you take in information and how you process that information. Because um, I think some people would say would think about that and then immediately look on the bright side be oh you know yeah 99% chance of losing but i have a 1% chance of winning and they, and then there's you know there's pessimists who would even if it was framed right would think of that about it in a bad way but i'm sure the people who are neutral you know they're the people who would affect this type of study a lot more right they use this in marketing every day oh yeah if you go to Walmart, for example, you'll see big signs up all through the store that say twenty nine ninety nine. Uh huh. Your brain sees that, and you immediately. Oh, for a lot of people, I don't because I like to think of myself as, you know, above that. <laughs> but <laughs> we a lot of do. a lot of people will see that and say they'll they'll subliminally, even though they know it's almost thirty dollars, they'll see the two at the beginning yeah. and they'll think it's cheaper. Uh -huh. Even though it's twenty nine ninety nine, it might as well say thirty. Because it says twenty nine ninety nine, your brain assumes that it's cheaper. You know what I thought you were gonna say? I thought you were gonna say in retail stores like Walmart and Kmart, they phrase things like, Oh, instead of, you know, this is so so much dollars off, they say you're saving Five dollars right. and eight cents. So hey, it that's just, another tactic. Yeah. So it just makes it sound like you're not spending money; you're actually saving money. Right. But you got to buy it first, and that's always something that's irked me. 
I think your ice cream has arrived. Oh my word. Pause. Now that I got my ice cream, we're ready to go. We're going to push through. We're going to keep recording even while you're eating ice cream. I'll try to be uh, respectful. Try not to eat too loudly. No. It's probably good that I'm talking more this episode because you can eat your ice cream without any worry. I'll just be like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like like you were saying, in, they, they could frame it in terms of money saved versus how much the item still is. Yeah. Websites online will do that all the time where they'll be like, this item is 33% off. Instead of saying, this item was two hundred dollars, now it's one hundred and thirty-three or whatever it, that ends yeah, up being. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying. Um, although one hundred thirty-three out of two hundred is still a good deal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is definitely a good deal. <laughs> um, depending on the product. Right, right. We always think electronics. <laughs> another another example of this is gas stations. They'll put their the gas prices at a dollar twenty-nine. And what you don't see right on the side of the sign is that it says in nine tenths. So a dollar twenty nine and nine tenths means that it's a dollar thirty. I feel like I used to know there was a reason though. There was a reason why the nine tenths existed, and I can't remember what it is now. I, it might have something to do with tax. It Maybe, saves yeah. it saves the gas station tax uh, because it's technically a penny cheaper, so they don't have to pay tax on that one penny. And even though it's one penny, it adds up. Like, that, I, I feel like that's what it could be, but don't quote me on that because I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I knew the reason at some point, but um, I don't know. So let's get into the heuristics. I know you guys have been looking forward to that. I'm going to try to jump through these quickly because we are we are getting into the show quite a ways here. We want to hit Song of the Week soon. The first heuristic, and just as a reminder, heuristics are mental shortcuts. That's, that's a very simple definition of the word heuristic. The first heuristic is representativeness representativeness <laughs> representativeness is the tendency to ignore statistics and focus instead on stereotypes for example steve is described by a former neighbor as a helpful but shy and withdrawn soul who loves structure and detail and takes little interest in people or the real world when faced with a list of possible occupations that include farmer salesman pilot doctor and librarian people tend to predict steve is a librarian because he fits a commonly held stereotype they ignore what ought to be an obvious fact that there are many many more farmers in the world than there are librarians ignoring base rates as well as other statistical blind spots and not paying attention to sample sizes and simple misconceptions concerning chance can lead to serious errors in judgment mm -hmm. i think this one's so cool that is so cool. because stereotypes exist humans will discard statistical information in favor of those stereotypes. So for that example, a much higher percentage of the population is farmers than librarians. Regardless of that fact, we would still assume he's a librarian given those traits. Mm -hmm. um, those traits could belong to someone who's a farmer. So why couldn't it be a farmer? But that doesn't matter. We go with what st is stereotypically likely. Well, when we do uh, things online, whether it's professional or just for fun, uh, you know, what career suits me, the things they ask, it's about your personality, and that's what forms those stereotypes. And then right. afterwards, usually seven pages deep, they're like, you know, the likelihood or the, or the need or the demand of this job. That's kind of that kind of information that's the most useful is kind of at the very end because it's not the most interesting yeah i think uh, a good example of this for me personally is when i browse reddit mm -hmm. i assume that every other redditor is a mid-20s male that lives in their parents basement that's just the image i get in my head when i talk to other redditors although statistically 50 percent of the world's population is female so there is a very high chance that every redditor i'm coming across is 50 percent male 50 percent female you know that's just statistically that's the way it works but because of the stereotype that i have in my own head on who redditors are yeah i picture a male in his 20s in his parents basement yeah i mean it might be because we're guys but be when i'm online and i see an anonymous user you assume Instantly, it's a guy. Instantly, i assume it's a guy yeah just and i think that that's a perfect example of representative choice the next heuristic is called anchoring. 
anchoring is people's tendency to stay close to a starting point when making an estimate. And I thought this one was really interesting when I was initially reading about it. In one experiment, a wheel was spun in front of participants, yielding a random number from 1 to 100. Participants were then asked to estimate what percentage of UN countries were in Africa by moving upward or downward from the random number. The median estimate for a group whose starting number was 10 was that 25% of UN countries were African. The median estimate for the group whose starting number was 65 was nearly twice that, 45%. The correct answer is 28%, by the way. The starting number significantly biased the estimate, even though participants knew that the number was purely arbitrary. Hmm. So, to summarize, they spun a wheel, it was a completely random number, they said, guess the percentage of countries in the UN that are African. Okay, so that was my question. They spun the wheel. A number wasn't given to them. They actually did the they action They actually spun the wheel, wheel and saw that it was a random knowing number. Knowing it was random. Yeah, that's interesting. And then chose a percentage for the question based in – it wasn't based on anything. It was just choose a percentage. And in both scenarios, they were only 10 to 15% away from the starting number. Hmm showing that humans like to stick near a baseline even though they know that it's not anything. It yeah. means nothing at all. That number was in their head or it's in their right. sight. Right. So. I'm trying to think of a real That I wonder I wonder if that's kind of a um I wonder if that's an example of where you live in like the society that you live in locally shapes your opinions, shapes your thoughts, the things that you see around you. Not just numbers, but just you know, it just images or things shapes your ideas and shapes your estimates that way. That Do you could have an be example? True. Well, <sighs> if you hear some slurping, it's because I'm drinking a slushy, <laughs> and it's it's now a liquidy, a, a liquidy. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's all you get is one little pity. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a polite like oh, huh. Um. You know, just like the difference between how a city person thinks and a country person thinks, just in general. Instead of having the number right there, I was just wondering if maybe that's an example of what you gave of your surroundings affecting your thought just in a general sense. I see. Yeah. I guess the closest example, the closest real world example that's personally happened to me that I could give would be when we play the Jackbox games. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Jackbox is a set of games that can be played on console and smartphones. So the way it works is the main game runs on the console and displays on the TV screen, and everyone sits around in the living room with their smartphones and uses it as a controller to interact with the game on the screen. So you can play with, like, eight plus people and it's if extremely you fun there's a it's, yeah it's we've pl had endless hours playing these games we're not even a little mm. bit bored there's a new jackbox game that just came out called gespionage and it's based on percentages so what they'll do is they'll ask you a question and they'll ask you to give what percentage do you think applies to this question as a made-up example one of the questions would be something like, what percentage of people have never tied their shoe before? So one person would have their phone and they would put in the percentage that they think is accurate. Then based on that percentage, everyone else that's playing would say whether or not they think the actual percentage is higher or lower than that. And it goes a little further than that. It's not just higher or lower. It's much higher, higher, lower, and much lower. You can say whether or not you think the percentage is way too low, way too high, just a little too high, or just a little too low. And I've found personally that I hardly ever choose the way too high or way too low option. I almost always choose the just a little bit lower or a little bit higher option. And I tell myself that I'm choosing that because that's what I think is correct. But I think it's probably... It's like a safety net. Yeah, it's, it, I feel like it's probably this anchoring phenomena where right. you naturally want to stay closer to a baseline even though in this case the percentage is arbitrary it's just someone randomly guessing because they don't know either right. but you want to stay close to that just in case they could be right 
Anything to add or should I move on? <laughs> As he swallows a big gulp of ice cream. I've never been happier during a recording. <laughs> We've got a great setup, great ice cream, great topics. No, I don't have anything to add. That was a really good example. Um, I feel like it's hard to come up with an example of that. Yeah, I, I think that one's a little bit harder to... It's not an everyday thing that you're faced right, with. Right, but it is cool to see the results of it and see that humans act in this specific way. Let's move on to the last heuristic that I have written down. There are tons of heuristics, by the way. And if you, like I said, if you want to read more of these, uh, a link to the article will be in the description. The last heuristic is called availability. People estimate the likelihood of an event based on the ease with which it comes to mind. For example, a clinician sees a depressed patient who says he's tired of life. Recalling other cases of depression he has seen, the clinician may remember one salient event, a depressed patient who committed suicide. He may thus estimate the current patient's probability of committing suicide as relatively high, even though the majority of depressed patients do not attempt suicide. The relative availability of that one suicide in the doctor's memory, in other words, biases him to overestimate the likelihood of such an outcome in the present case and perhaps treat the patient accordingly. That's cool. So basically what this is saying is based on past experiences, you're more or less likely to do things here in the future, even though that past experience might not affect current events whatsoever. Oh, Just yeah. because a previous patient was suicidal does not mean that the current patient is suicidal. In fact, I was reading that I, I ended up going separately and Googling this. The percentage of depressed patients who end up committing suicide is astronomically low. It's like 4% or something like that. It's a very low number. Mm -hmm. So assuming that just because he had another patient that committed suicide, that this one would too is inaccurate. But that's what we tend to do because it's what we know. Right. And we kind of, in their case, they almost want to think of the worst so that they can treat it anyway. You know, they That's want to true. think of that possibility. Right, right. It's it's hard to think about these. What are they called? Heuristics. Yeah, heuristics. Without thinking of the other variables that go on in people's minds, because I don't think we're ever making simple decisions. Every thought that we have and every decision that we make is much more complex than we think it is i i feel you know there's so many more variables that go into everything that it's almost harder like like saying a doctor is just looking at a depressed patient and thinking he might commit suicide just because of a previous patient right you know there's so many more factors involved that it's kind of hard to be a solid example yeah you know so it's just something i'm thinking of yeah hmm. i think a good real world example of this is brand loyalty. Mm. Now, we have discussed this in the yeah, past. Yeah, we, we, we talked about wanting to discuss it. Right. We haven't. We didn't make no, it a topic. No, we've never made it a... I thought we made it a topic. We've dis we've mentioned it before. I think we've mentioned it a couple of times, but it's never <laughs> been like a something of, of sustenance. I guess it's just of. more of a side point than it is a yeah. main topic. Yeah. But brand loyalty is a perfect example. Say you go out and you buy a brand of... Ice cream. Ice cream that you've never had before. You get home, you pop that ice cream open, and it is bad. Like something went wrong at the factory and you got a bad thing of ice cream. It's no good. Next time you go to the store and you buy ice cream, you are less likely to pick that same brand up again. You might try a different option because the one you got was in a bad shape. Yes. It was in a bad place. That's just one in a million that you got a bad thing of ice cream. The rest of the ice cream is fine. I guarantee it. But because you had that one bad tub of ice cream, you're less likely to pick it again. Your perception of those odds are so much higher. Right. I wonder if that works the opposite way. I wonder if the person who wins a mega, the mega bucks thinks that, thinks that they have a higher chance at getting it again because, hey, it did happen to me. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, you see stories of people who have won the lottery multiple times. Yeah. So clearly after Freaking the first people. time they won, they didn't stop playing. They went back and yeah. kept playing because they probably thought, hey, I'm lucky. I'm going to keep playing. They spent half their winnings on tickets. <laughs> I always wondered that. If you won like the jackpot of like $200 million, could you just spend that entire $200 million on more lottery tickets and like make even more money? Or would it not work that way? No, it totally would work that way. You'd have $200 million chances or whatever. 
you would have a much higher chance. And Although, the chance of winning the lottery is less than getting struck by lightning, which I think is like a one in a billion chance or something like that. So even spending $200 million on tickets, yeah. your chances are still really low. So it might not be worth yeah. it. But anyway, a specific example of this that's happened to me has actually just happened recently. You know I love Subaru. Oh, yeah. Subaru is one of, if not my favorite brand of vehicle. I just I think they're a blast to drive. I think they're great in the snow. They're just they they're good as a brand, you know. They they represent they represent all that is good. Love is what makes a Subaru Subaru. But I have gotten a bad apple. My Subaru has had quite a few issues given how well I take care of the thing and how well I baby it. I've had to replace the engine, I've had to do the head gaskets. Um, I've had to do a few other things all within two years of owning the car. Yeah, and that's I can not tell right. you right. I and I can tell you right now that I am strongly leaning towards going back to Honda with my next vehicle. I really, really enjoyed my Honda, See, even though it had an issue. It was not the car's fault. It was the age of the car it, it was at almost two hundred thousand miles and it had never had its head gaskets replaced and those normally have to be replaced around a hundred thousand right so it lasted much longer so i don't blame the car for that at all and because i've had such a i, I don't want to say bad experience but it has not been a great experience with my subaru i'm not leaning towards getting another one because i want reliability i want guaranteed reliability and honda has basically bulletproof reliability mm-hmm I think there comes a point in everyone's life where, you know, they hit a certain age and they want reliable vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't want to be spending more money on repairs than I have to. And, you know, I'd be so much more surprised right now if we weren't just talking about this on my lunch break. You were saying how, oh, you actually might be looking into a Honda. Well, you didn't see because we were talking on Messenger. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, I would have been really well, surprised. I... It shouldn't. It doesn't. It hasn't really surprised. It didn't really surprise Michaela when I initially told her because she knows how much I love Honda. Mm. Um, if Subaru didn't exist, I would only ever have owned Honda because I like yeah. them. They're near. They're you know they're they're basically on par with Subaru. Uh, I like Subaru for their drivability and how much fun they are to drive, and I like Honda for their reliability and great gas mileage and that type of thing. So they're they're really on par with each other. So it's not like I'm not betraying Subaru any more than I quote-unquote betrayed Honda when I initially got a Subaru. I still right. like both brands. I'm just trying something different for now. Who knows? In the future when I have a little extra cash to be blowing on repairs and more <laughs> maintenance in a vehicle, I'll go back to Subaru. Dude, when and those I'll get podcast royalties or... come exactly, rolling in. man. When we're making bang. It doesn't matter if we need to replace a couple engines. <laughs> I don't want to end this discussion so abruptly so i think what we should do is just you know answer this question so joe all this being said would you rather still have more choices or would you rather be restricted for your mental well-being uh, that's a hard question i think now i don't i don't want to give a cheesy answer and say i think it depends on the situation um so i'm i'm gonna say I would like to have more choice. I mm. like the options. I'm someone who likes to research things and make sure I'm getting the absolute best product or best thing that I can get for my choice. Right. So being limited and having less to choose from could be aggravating if the choices don't meet my criteria. Absolutely. That's a great answer. It, it depends on your personality. Right. Um, you have that analytical, logical personality, so you would rather, you know you value having those options and you value the research a lot more than you put value on like potential regret. And there's some people who have a harder time making decisions who would actually rather live in the kind of ignorant as bliss and go with the fewer options just so that they yeah. relieve themselves of that possible mental anguish because those are the type of people that feel it a lot more anyway. Um, so where do you where does that put you? Which camp are you? Oh, in? choices, hands yeah. down. I'm right with you there. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think you'd be much different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as usual. Let's go right into song of the week, Joe. What do you got? 
today. Bear with us here, listeners. This is the first time we're going to be trying this. Okay. Normally on the show, Jake's very, very carefully putting on his headphones. <sighs> we tell you our song of the week, and then through the magic of editing... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and through the magic of editing... We edit in a snippet of the song afterwards, later on, a few days later, when we're putting the episode together. But now that we have the setup that we do, we have the option to play these songs in real time. And it might not be a big deal to you listeners. It's not a big deal to you guys, but, but to us, that's awesome. <laughs> it saves us so we much don't, time. Exactly. We don't have to go about finding the songs, cutting 30 seconds of the track, throwing it in the podcast, making sure the volume is right, all that stuff. It's just, we're just going to play it right now, and it's done. Later in post, we might need to tweak the gain just a little bit, but other than that, it's good. Yeah. So this might be a little rough for this first week maybe the next couple weeks while we work out the kinks and get it working just the way we want so bear with us that being said my song of the week is by a new artist Ooh, and i'm bringing her up because i'm excited to hear what she comes out with in the future i've only heard two tracks by her this one that i'm about to share with you and another one i can't even remember the name of it her name is ellie ellie Duhay. I don't know if that accent mark over the E, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it said Duhay or like Dewey or it's D-U-H and then an accent mark over the letter E. So Dewey or... Yeah, usually I think that means that the E has a softer like A sound. Dewey? So. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're just going to call her Ellie, Ellie Dewey. And if it's not right, then you guys can correct me. Hit me I on Twitter. I feel like we mispronounce things a lot. <laughs> So here is a little 30 second snip of that. I gotta be honest man i love that song yeah. i love it you're gonna keep listening to it oh yeah i'm gonna uh listen to it as soon as i get home really no I, I, absolutely i will i've listened to it a handful of times maybe a little bit more than that and it's really catchy that do 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 yeah doo, just doo. everything is so good together yeah so I'm excited to see what she comes out with here in the future. She only has 537 subscribers on YouTube. Wow. So she's brand new. Um, I'm really excited to see what she comes out with in the future. I don't know much about her. She's I brand new. Yeah, I can't really say anything about her other than it, I hope you enjoy the track and I hope you are you become as excited as me to see what she puts out in the future. I think she's going to do really well, man. I really hope... Uh that she's recognized and she goes into the mainstream but uh you know keeps her own style because this is good stuff yes it is it it's kind of like a it's different in a julia michaels kind of way it's not it doesn't fit the mold of pop exactly it's got a very different feel to it mm. uh the tempo is different the way it's arranged is different, um, and I, I like to see that emerging in the mainstream. It did remind me of Julia Michaels' uh, issues in a little bit of a way, but I can't tell if it's because that was the last song of the week I heard that was <laughs> I was just pumped up for, or yep. if it actually had physical similarities. Um, but I think you're right. It, it, it doesn't sound exactly like what you'd hear on the radio, but very close. Yeah. Uh, in a good way, definitely. What do you got? This week I brought a song called Steal My Kisses by Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals. Uh, I listened to a lot of Ben Harper in, jeez, I don't know, 2013, and I figured this one was the best one to share. It's the most well-known, has a couple million views. It's not uh, as breakout as... Joe's choice. Joe definitely wins this week. 
But um... ha <laughs> It's a competition always. <laughs> I always think about it like that. You win a lot of time. Uh, yeah. So here's uh, some of the track. Have you heard that song before? I have not. It immediately reminded me of that guy that sang, and this is going to sound this is going to sound weird, the guy that sang the theme song for Curious George. Oh, Jack Johnson. You know who it is? Yeah. Is that who it is? I believe so. Up uh, um Yeah, I I know so. It's called Upside Down, I think. It, yeah, Upside Down or whatever it is. Curious George, Curious George theme song. I can't believe I actually knew that you one. You knew that immediately. <laughs> well, actually, I knew the that for a reason. The artist is doc- Dr. John. What's that? Dr. John? Really? If you if you looked up Jack Johnson, he actually has like a Curious George album or something. Or a song with him. I can't remember. But actually, it's not just a coincidence that you're thinking this because they actually do sound very similar uh they're grouped together and that's actually how i found ben harper now that we say it i I had forgotten but i was i had a huge jack johnson kick and ben harper was recommended to me either through spotify or some other search and that's how i got into this stuff oh yeah so you were absolutely right in your similarity thing yeah that's the thong the song i'm thinking of thong the thong 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 (laughs) I don't want to play too much of this. Uh, yeah, this is the this is the song. Yeah. I'm of. Yeah. Jack so, Johnson is so chill, and Ben Harper is really good. Yeah. Too. So that that song immediately reminded me of that in a good way, in, mm-hmm. a, in a good way for sure. The more the, like the older I get, the more experience I get. I listen to this song, and then I'm, I realize that the song itself is kind of creepy, because the guy's kind of a stalker. Oh, really? He's like, I'm following this girl around, and she doesn't notice me. And, uh, I'm trying to kiss her, and she won't let me. And I'm like, uh, uh. Yeah, that's a little creepy. <laughs> the song's good, though. <laughs> as long as it sounds good, man. <laughs> yeah. That's all I have to say about that. All right. Well, that about wraps up Song of the Week this week. Let us know what you thought of our tracks, our picks. Yeah. Do you like what we brought to the table? you going to listen to more? you hate it? Do you hate us because of it? Because of it? Let us know. That being said, it's time to move on into the greatest segment of all time. Speed. Speed. Writing. This is the segment where Jake and I pick a writing prompt. We give ourselves 15 minutes to write a story. We write that story, and then we bring the results back to you, whether or not the story is finished. But it's always going to be great. Whether it's hilarious, whether they're great... I mean, I think last time we did this, we both got lucky and we had pretty decent stories. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, at some point, one of us is going to have a bad story. Oh, it's yeah. just going to be laughable. But that's what makes us so great. You never know. It could happen now. It could happen later. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so we have to choose a writing prompt, We have to Joe. choose a writing prompt. We have not picked. Let's browse. Let's peruse. Let's jump on Reddit. Let's go to writing prompts. If you have not been to this subreddit, it is reddit.com forward slash r forward slash writing prompts. You hit enter on your keyboard, on your phone, whatever device you're on, your Google Glass, your Oculus Rift. If you're in 3D, if, if this is virtual reality for you, hit enter. It'll take you to writing prompts and you'll see what we're seeing well no you won't see exactly what we're seeing because you'll be seeing it a week in the future there will be new writing prompts i'm done talking jake and i are gonna pick a writing prompt we'll be back in a second we are back we were gone for 10 minutes or so you guys don't have to live through that future jake has to when he edits this he has to listen to that nonsense for 10 or 15 minutes haha <laughs> too bad for you <laughs> the writing prompt we chose 
is as follows. Every five years, one person is selected to enter an unknown gate that appeared randomly in the past. No one has ever returned from the gate. You, unfortunately, have been voted by the majority of the population. So a gate randomly appeared, let's say, 100 years ago. It could be whatever you want. And every five years, the population votes on one person to send in. No one's ever come out. What's on the other side? How do you take it? It's up to you. I'm going to love this one. I already have an idea. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I haven't formulated anything at all. My, <laughs> my head is empty. I have no thoughts. Let's get to it. Let's do it. We'll be back in 15, guys. All right, guys, we are back 15 minutes-ish later. We're ready to read you what we've come up with. And I'm pretty excited about mine. How about you, Joe? I don't know. I feel like this <laughs> one's going to be way rougher than last week. I didn't have as much of a vision as I did with the first one. So I'll be curious to see how it turns out. Um, as we said last week, we're going to save the best for last. So I'm going to go first. <laughs> we don't know anything yet. <laughs> Uh, we're not going to remind you of the prompt because no time has passed for you. It's been an instant, so there's no need to remind you. I'm just going to get right into it. Welcome to Rocktown. Established 2153 BC. Population 300. At least, that's what the sign says on the way into town. I don't know whether or not I believe it. And the results of the voting is in. We've chosen our candidate. Crowds all around me cheer. I'm center stage, along with about five people I've never met. In a few minutes, it might only be four people I've never met. Or it could be zero. I could be the chosen one. By popular vote, Yusuf has been chosen to enter the portal to the unknown. Crap. That's me. I've been chosen. <laughs> Dread fills my body. I start to shake and get weak in the knees. I'm not even standing. How am I weak in the knees? As I begin to process what's happening, guards surround me and guide me from my chair towards the portal. I come to the bottom of a short set of three steps that lead directly into pitch black. There's nothing there. I'm going to die. This is the end for me. Standing next to the portal is Dr. Schwartz. I've been told he's the go-to guy when it comes to mysterious portals that lead to nowhere. Everything will be alright, Yusuf, Schwartz says in a calming, reassuring voice. I have two good approximations as to what happens when you enter the portal. Either you'll be torn into a million bits and dead instantly without feeling a thing, or you'll be sucked into the vacuum of space where you'll slowly suffocate for 30 seconds before passing out. Great, I thought to myself. So it's either instant or drawn out and painful. I like my chances. I hear screaming over my shoulder and off to the left, about 200 feet back. It's my family. My mother. She knew the chances of me being the chosen one were high, but she'd had hope that I'd be lucky. I wasn't. The crowd started counting down from 10. Nine, eight, seven. I can't do this, I thought to myself. Maybe I should just book it, take off, run as fast as I can. Maybe they won't catch me. Or maybe they'll just choose someone else. Six, five, four. No, that's stupid. They'd gun me down. I've been chosen to enter the portal. It's my duty. I must. Three, two, one. As they approached zero, I felt a hand on my shoulder begging me to move forward. I began to walk up the steps, and before I knew it, I had entered the blackness. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't hear a thing. I don't feel a thing. Is this what death feels like? Am I dead? This isn't too bad. I could get used to this. I'll just have forever with my thoughts. Who knows what I'll think of. Maybe one day I can get myself out of here. Suddenly, a flash of light filled all of my... vision? If that's what I can even call it. Below me, a planet starts to appear. I'm racing towards it at ridiculous speed, much faster than terminal velocity for a human, I surmise. I hit the ground hard, but feel no pain. I stand up and look down at my body, only to find I don't have one. I make my way across the land in front of me. It feels endless. I walk, uh, float, for what seems like miles, without seeing so much as an ant. Finally off in the distance, I see what looks like a huge city. I begin to sprint, or float faster, towards it, hoping someone can help me. As I approach the city, I see humans. Normal humans going about their everyday business. Can they not see me? Am I invisible? I pass through one of them, and they stop to shiver for a second. I'm a ghost? That's when I see it off in the distance. A portal. Just like the one I pass through. I float towards it as fast as I can. I throw my ghostly body through it and fall flat on my face. I stand up and brush off the dust. Standing on the other side of the portal, a figure in a robe stands waiting. Welcome, Yusuf. We've been awaiting you. 
I glance over his shoulder and see a sign behind him. Welcome to Rocktown. Re-established 2153 AD. Population, 300 million. At least, that's what the sign on the way into town says. I don't know whether or not I believe it. Oh, man, that was good. Really? Dude, yes. I love I love it when things at the very end come back full circle. Like, you, you the whole I don't know if I believe it thing. Dude, and that was awesome. <laughs> and I think you are going to stifle some laughs listening to mine. I think mine was so weak. No, dude. Yours was good. We have a lot of similarities, which is really? hilarious. That's great. I can't wait. Yeah. Okay. You you good? Do you want to say anything else about it? Um, I, I, I wanted to mention that ugh, there was a few things that didn't really make sense. First of all, if it's 2153 BC, that's like forever ago before technology. Yeah. Population 300, that makes sense. But in the future... When he comes back through the portal, he knows that it's a city. Like, he wouldn't know that it's a city because it's, it was... Hey, man, this is a 15-minute speed Yeah, I know, and I thought of that as I was reading it. I'm like, wait a minute. He wouldn't know that it's a city. He wouldn't... He'd be, like, amazed that he's, like, in skyscrapers and stuff with 300 million people around him. Yeah. He wouldn't be immediately focused on a portal. But given 15 minutes, Dude, I just that had was to great. bypass details. That's great. <laughs> that was awesome. I think that was better than last time. No. No, was, this did... was so weak. No, no, no. That was awesome. All right. I like it a I'm lot. Glad, I'm glad you like it. So right. let's hear yours. Okay. No one really knows how the gate got there, but the fact remained that one person had to go inside when it opened, or else legend had it that terrible things would happen. We didn't want to take that chance. Every five years, I saw members of the community, including my own friends and family, take a step into that gate and never return. And now... It was my turn, thanks to the community ballot. The day came and the whole town gathered around as I alone stood in front of the massive gate opened up with what could only have been magic. A swirl of purple and blue hues with flashes of bright light enticed you to step in, but everyone was always too scared to volunteer. I took a deep breath and took a few more steps. I reached my hand into the gate, waiting to feel something, anything. But as soon as my hand went through the portal, I felt nothing at all. It was... As if my hand were simply not there. With about 18 guns pointed at my back, I decided to count to three. One, a bead of sweat dripped down the side of my face. Two, my heart was beating so fast, I thought I'd drop dead. Three, I jumped. A feeling that must be very similar to zero gravity took hold of me as I was teleported to my destination within seconds. I fell on my back with a lot of force, yet felt no pain. And wherever I landed was extremely soft. I opened my eyes and all I saw was white. I expected to have to recover before moving, but to my surprise, I was able to stand right up and walk around. Everything was white. I looked down. I was walking on clouds. I looked straight ahead. Through puffy swirls of white and the bright blue of what seemed to be the sky, I made out bright golden gates in the distance. No way. I thought as I started making my way over. No freaking way. I finally made it to the Golden Gate and saw a sleeping angel. I cleared my throat and he abruptly woke up. Looking both embarrassed and surprised, the angel introduced himself as Gabriel. He explained that this was indeed heaven, as I had previously gathered. Shocked, Gabriel opened the gigantic gate and inside was the most glorious city I had ever seen. Stepping through, I couldn't help but notice the streets were completely dead. There were literal tumbleweeds blowing through the street made of pure gold. Uh, where is everyone? I asked Gabriel. He explained that God made it abundantly clear in the Bible that in order to go to heaven, you must go toward the light and step through the gate to the afterlife. I don't see how it could have been written any clearer, Gabriel gaffed. Yet, there's only a few dozen of you that ever made it in. And you're all from the same town. What a friggin' coincidence, dude. I soon met my friends, family, and community members, and we all had a great time happily ever after. Those poor suckers back home, maybe they'll send Miss America through next. I sipped my sangria while poolside. Yeah, this'll do. That was awesome, dude. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, man. So, dude, that was so funny that we both counted down. And in between the counts, we like had our own thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And that we both, you know, hit, hit. We went through the portal, hit with force, didn't feel any pain. 
White light. White light. Yeah, we bought, that's so funny. And, and we were both relatively forced through, although that was, you know, a little bit more obvious that well, the guards yeah, had to help yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> because the writing prompt was, you've been voted yeah. to go through, as in no one's volunteering, yeah. so there's going to be some force I involved. knew that we would have similarities uh, down the great. road. That was great. That was so cool. Thanks. I loved, I loved how you just had the, 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 you just have to walk through the gate follow the light and you're in heaven and like no one had done that and <laughs> yeah. they're like why isn't anyone coming to heaven because it looks like this scary portal or yeah. whatever that's great I the only that. discrepancy is that the portal opens every once in five years so that's true a bunch <laughs> so of, a how bunch could of people more people have... come through well it doesn't say that it opens <laughs> once in every five years i don't believe i think oh. it just says that every five years someone is Every five years, one person is selected to enter an unknown oh, gate. Oh, okay. So it's it's always open. They yeah. just only send someone through every five years. Yeah. I tried That's to. Great. I did the best with what I had. I was hoping that uh, Gabriel would like introduce you to God, and then God would be this really cool dude. But you were like, <laughs> you have two minutes left, and I'm like, uh, uh sangria, Miss America, poolside. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, man, I'm really loving these segments. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So much fun. fun. Yep. All right, folks, really hope you enjoyed that. It's definitely one of our favorite segments of all time. Dude, we could make a whole show on just this type of thing. We really could. Do like two or three of them in an episode. Do like 30-minute ones instead of 15-minute ones. Yeah, exactly. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Maybe um, we'll do that someday. Maybe we'll do a... 30 minute writing prompt segment where we give ourselves a half hour to write something i would absolutely be down for that that could be fun all right guys have a great week we'll catch you next time see you later Oh, my God.